Good morning and welcome again to First Baptist Church. It's so good to have you here with us. Those of you that are worshiping online with us, a greeting to you as well. If you missed the announcements, you do have an opportunity to follow along in our digital bulletin, and that's faithlife.com slash Dunkirk Baptist. And if you're here with us in person, you can follow along in the actual bulletin. There's a note sheet in there if you like taking notes and um, jotting some thoughts down as we look into God's Word this morning. We're continuing a sermon series called Rediscover Church, Why It's Essential. And we're posing nine questions about church. And as we look at the answers to those nine questions, I hope that you would take a next step in deepening your relationship with the Lord and perhaps take another step in deepening a relationship with your local church here at First Baptist. This is based on a book that I read um, this past winter, Rediscover Church. There are copies of it out at the uh, Welcome Center, and we're also talking about it at our growth group, so feel free to pick up a copy of that. If you haven't picked one up already, you can also take one for a, a friend or a family member. But we're going through that, looking at each of those questions and so far, we have covered a lot of them. We're going to review them quickly right now. First of all, what is church? Read these answers with me, please. Church is a group of people who know they are loved by Christ and have begun loving one another that way. I love that definition. Who can belong? Believers who have been baptized. Why do we gather, especially physically? There is strength and power and growth when church members physically gather together. I'll stop adding extra words, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna read it on screen just like you're gonna read it with me. Why are preaching and teaching central? God's word is our authority for life and church. Is membership really necessary? Yes, membership is seen in the New Testament and joining says, this is the group of believers I want to care for and to be cared for. Is church discipline really loving? Yes, because showing God's holy love means teaching and correcting members. And then last week, we looked at how do I love different members? We love others in the church as God loves us because Jesus called a widely diverse group of people to be unified and striving together for his glory. And this morning's question is, how do we love outsiders? Last week we talked about how do we love others in the church who are different from us. And as you look around the room, you will see people who are different from you. Christ called us to love one another, and that's the way we show our testimony to the world by the way we love and care for each other. But of course, we're also supposed to love people outside the church so that we're not separated to the point where we don't talk to anyone other than the people in the church. We don't want that to happen. So how do we love people outside the church? I have three main points that are going to help us answer that question this morning. You can write them in your note sheet or think about them as they're coming up. What is church for? We're going to look at the Great Commission, and then we're going to look at the purpose of the church. So let's pray before we dig into God's Word. 
Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this bright, sunny winter morning. Thank you for bringing us together safely. Lord, I pray for those that are still not feeling well, those that are sick at home, those that may have had a hard time uh, getting out on icy roads. I just pray your blessing on them, those that are watching online. We ask that they would be able to return to worship with us soon. Lord, this morning, as we look into your word and as we answer this question, how do we love outsiders? I just pray, Lord, that your word would be open to our, our hearts and our eyes, that we would see and understand what you have for us, and that we would go away changed as a result. Lord, bless all that we do this morning and through the rest of this day. We want to do it all to the glory of God, our Father. In the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, amen. So what is church for? There are four main objectives out there about what church is for. And when I say out there, I mean just the broad range of churches around the world. Evangelism, good works, healing, and dispensing grace. And you could look at all four of those and say, those all sound good. Let's see what it looks like if a church is focused on evangelism. This church would aim to bring people into the building on Sundays so they can hear the gospel and people could be saved. Preaching and teaching are focused on the basics, our sin problem, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and the need to be saved. Sermons and teaching may be focused on different series like relationships, pop culture, parenting, finances, with an aim of attracting unbelievers and to share the gospel, always with that aim for evangelism. Does this approach love outsiders? You can answer that in your own thoughts. The next church is focused on good works. They aim to mobilize the insiders, the members of the church, to help those on the outside, the community. Ministries like soup kitchens, food pantries, secondhand closets, English as a second language classes, job training, things that members have an opportunity to change and help in their community and to those less fortunate. Preaching and teaching in this church might focus on Jesus' good works and on his command to love our neighbors. Does that show that we love outsiders? The next church is focused on healing, showing outsiders that life gets better when you come inside the church. Preaching and teaching are focused on Jesus' miracles and the power of the Holy Spirit. People are told that they can overcome any challenge with enough faith in God, and that includes their finances, their physical problems, or even mental problems. Does that show a focus of love for outsiders? And then the last big category, and you're going to find others outside of this, but here's another big category. The church is for dispensing grace. The church is aiming to give insiders the forgiveness that they cannot receive outside the church. Here, preaching and teaching focus on the church's role as the mediator between God and man. Worship services are centered on insiders, those that are here, receiving the body and blood of Christ through the bread and the wine. That's dispensing grace to those that are here. Does that show love to outsiders? You may have seen some elements of all four of these in churches that you've attended in the past. You certainly see elements of that here at First Baptist Church, but let's try to understand from God's word 
what our primary focus, what our goal should be, especially as it relates to loving outsiders. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he left these final words of instruction with his disciples. These were the original 11 minus Judas. He's gone. And he called them apostles, which means those who are being sent. He transitioned that in their ministry when he started sending them out to do ministry on their own. He said, you've been my disciples. I'm now going to call you my apostles. And on you, I'm going to build the church. Let's read these two familiar verses, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These verses begin and end with statements about Jesus himself. And remember, these are his very last words to his disciples. The very last thing he said with, to them. This is really a summary of what they should be doing. And he starts by saying, authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, all authority. As the Son of God, I am speaking for God the Father. This is his will. This is his direction for you. Remember, I promised you. I would build my church on you. You will be the pillars of the church, my apostles. This is how you're going to do it. It's my authority. It's not yours. And then he ends with another promise. I am, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Not only is that a promise, but it's a comfort. As you do these things, I'm going to be with you. Till the very end. I'm not leaving you. Even though you're watching me go back up into heaven, I'm going to be with you. And my Holy Spirit is coming to dwell and fill you to carry out this work of the gospel. So would you consider the disciples insiders or outsiders? This one's not rhetorical. Insiders or outsiders? Insiders or outsiders? Really loud. Insiders, they're the ultimate insiders. These are the men who walked, talked, ate, ministered with Jesus. They were right with him through his entire ministry. But their instructions here are not focused on how to treat one another. Yes, Jesus said, love each other as a testimony to the world. But here he's mostly talking about what you're going to do with outsiders, how you're going to love them. Go to the outsiders. Go to the ends of the earth and make disciples so that they can hear the gospel and be saved. Baptize them so that they can become one body, unified in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now those outsiders have become insiders. And then teach them. Teach them all that I have commanded. Teach them how to obey that, how to live it out. Those new insiders need to learn what Christ said. And that's not just the four Gospels, but what Christ continued to teach through his apostles, the rest of the New Testament, how to live, how to act as a follower of Jesus Christ, how to treat each other, and how to love 
outsiders. All of those specific directions written to the church. That takes up the whole rest of the New Testament. And as you know, at First Baptist Church, we don't read only the New Testament. So even though he's saying, teach all that I've commanded, that also includes the Old Testament. All of that that was leading up to the Messiah coming. Christ quoted the Old Testament over and over again, reminding the people of Israel and these new Gentile believers, God had a plan all along. This is not a surprise. My crucifixion, my death, my resurrection, none of these things were surprises. It was all planned out by God. So not only do we teach the New Testament Christ-specific commands, but we go back to the Old Testament to see how this whole picture was unfolding and how God has a great plan from the beginning all the way to the end. Jesus said, I'm going to be with you all the way to that end. God's going to complete this work that he started, something amazing. So the Great Commission are the marching orders for the church. They were the marching orders for the disciples as they went out into all the world and shared the good news, shared the gospel. So what's our mission? What's our purpose as a local church? John, are you with me? It's making disciples. It's turning outsiders into insiders. Proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of salvation, and then teaching them, modeling for them how to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And those disciples, in turn, proclaim the gospel and teach others. And that's how this has continued generation after generation after generation. For 2,000 plus years since Christ went back to heaven and said, I'm coming back for you, but in the meantime, declare the gospel to all the nations. Tell everybody about what I did and how they can know God so that the next generation can tell the mighty works of God and the next generation and the next generation. That's why it's so important for us as a church to be multi-generational, not just thinking about can we be happy and content as a group of people who like all the same things and know all the same things and our music and our style, everything exactly the same because that's what we're all comfortable with. That's what we all grew up with. No, we need to reach the people older than us and the people younger than us. We need to be loving and inclusive of all of those people, all of those difference, because every generation is different, but they have the same need. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear about Jesus Christ and be saved. The best way to teach and model a life that is totally sold out for Jesus is building relationships. Relationships with depth and endurance. And we see that in the way Jesus led his disciples. He spent time with them, and they spent time with him. They went around on a daily basis, living life together and seeing this is how you love people in this situation. This is how you love people in that situation. This is how you share the gospel here and there and everywhere. Build relationships that not only are deep, but that they endure. That's the way that you're going to help people see how to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, our goal is not to draw the biggest possible crowd, share the gospel, and then hope that people figure that out on their own. Our goal is for outsiders to come in, 
or to be reached by you outside the church walls, to hear about Jesus Christ, become a disciple, and become part of a family, to become insiders who are learning to love each other the way Jesus loved them, and then to share that love with other people who need to hear it. Seeing how to do life together, how to handle problems, learning how to think in line with God's word so that whatever the new generation is struggling with, we can say, oh, God's word is sufficient for that too. As we look at things and we talk to younger people and they say, you just don't understand how hard it is today. God does. There are new temptations, there are new struggles, and every generation faces some new things that their parents and grandparents never had to face. But God's word is sufficient for all of those things, and that's what we want to make sure that we're continuing to preach and to teach. As people spend time with us, as we become part of a family, we learn to love each other as Christ does, unconditionally, forever, not giving up, not quitting, growing a deeper faith in God's goodness and his purposes so that we can weather any storm and then showing that next generation and the one after that the same things, how to live a life that pleases God. So let's go back briefly to those four types of churches. Should we serve our community and show them love by providing food and clothing? We may not be able to take care of every need of every person, but unless they hear the gospel, they can't be saved. So if our church is focused on doing those kind of good works to the community, but we never have a chance to share the gospel, then we're just scratching at the surface. If our focus is on seeing people healed, overcoming physical challenges, the need for salvation so greatly outweighs any physical or financial need. Scripture tells us that if you see someone who's cold, give them a coat. If you meet someone who's hungry, give them a meal. Take care of those immediate needs. But someone who is struggling with life's problems needs to know the God who cares about them. They need to know salvation in Jesus Christ. Being healed of an immediate problem is not going to change that spiritual need that I have. We can pray for people, but it's up to God how he's using those trials, how he's using those difficulties to draw people to himself or maybe if it's a believer, for those difficulties to help shape their walk with Christ, for them to realize that they can't go through a single day without God. They need to lean on Him because their difficulties are there. Jesus never promised health and wealth to His followers. In fact, He promised just the opposite. You are going to run into trouble. You are going to have people who don't like you. You are going to face trials and difficulties in your life. This is not going to be easy. But behold, I am with you even to the end of the ages. I'm always going to be with you. Life is going to be difficult. But in Christ, you know what's coming. Not only do you have a home in heaven and eternity, but you have a relationship with God that is going to go deeper than all of those problems we face will never make the claim that God wants you to be wealthy 
to be healthy all the time, to be prosperous, as the world considers it. The claim is God promises to be with you forever. And that's what we're going to rest on. The last one, dispensing grace, not the last one, the third one, dispensing grace. We celebrate communion every month, but it's a symbol of God's grace. It's not a means of God's grace. The bread and the cup do not impart salvation. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say, do this to be saved by me. So churches that have that liturgy and that teaching, that unless you take communion every week, you're not saved, goes right against what Scripture says. Do this as a reminder, as a remembrance. If you're all unified in Christ, continue to do that, but it's not a means of Christ. So because he didn't teach that, we're not going to teach that. The last one, evangelism, making disciples. What do you think of that one? That's clearly the mission of the church. Listen to Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. These verses keep popping up in our series, so they must be important. Our church is like a city on a hill. You can see it for miles, that glow in the distance that is brightening the sky for travels, travelers to say, oh, there's a place where I can find rest. There's a place where I can find comfort. I'm headed towards that light, towards that city on a hill. Let your light so shine before others so that others can see Christ, just like the lighthouse we have down in our harbor. That lighthouse is still shining. It's letting ships know that there's treacherous rocks, that there's difficulty underneath the surface that they can't see. And so the lighthouse is letting them know, stay away from danger. Here's the path of safety. The church is a beacon of salvation to the lost around us. The light is shining out to a dark world, to a world that just sees the surface and thinks everything's going okay, but doesn't see sometimes the sin that's in our own hearts the sin that's separating us from God, knowing that only a relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior is the thing that can save us. So the church is like a lighthouse, shining out, letting the world know about the danger of sin, but also pointing the light towards Jesus Christ. As the light shines in the darkness, and as the church is that beacon, we're not saying, hey, everybody, look at us, look how great we are. We're just reflecting God's light. We're shining His light to the world around us. So it's not to praise the church, but it's to praise God, the Heavenly Father. And that's how that verse ends. They may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The things that we do to love our community are not so that people say, aren't you a great bunch of people? It's so that they would say, wow, you must really know God's love for you to pass that on to me. You don't even know me. And that's one of the core values of our church is to love our community with no strings attached. We want them to see God's love 
hear the gospel, but not loving them so that they'll do something back for us. Here at FBC, we like to summarize our mission as worship, grow, and share. You see that on the wall behind me? As we make disciples, Jesus called us to know and to love God. That's worship. He's called us to know and love each other. That's growing together. And then to reach outward, to love our neighbors with the gospel and with those good works. And that's sharing. Sharing what God's given us with those around us. Sharing his love with those around us. So when we're acting this way towards each other, the insiders, it will spill over into the world around us. It'll spill over for our neighbors to see. And that love will spill over as we love them as well. We want outsiders to become insiders. We want them to know Jesus Christ as Savior and then give glory to their Father in heaven. Dorothy led us in reading Galatians chapter 6 earlier. Listen to verse 10 of that passage. And so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of faith. Do good to everyone, but it starts here in the household of faith. That's the insiders. When the outsiders who are invited to come, they're welcomed, they're asked to become part of the family, they're told about Jesus Christ, they're told about salvation, and how they can become part of that family. That's doing good when we have opportunities, but starting with loving each other. If people come through our doors and they hear us bickering and fighting and scrambling over the best seat, which happen to be the front ones, those of you that are in the back, in case you're wondering, the ones up front are more comfortable. They have built-in massage and heat. You'll never know until you try them out. But if that's what we're all about, like, hey, that's my cup of coffee and that's my seat and you're in my parking place, why would you want to come here if, if you think everybody is selfish and only cares about themselves? We need to be loving each other, showing each other how much Jesus loves us and loving each other that way so that when people come, they experience that and say, wow, I want to know what this is all about. I want to be part of that too. And I see people who are different loving each other. They don't love each other because they're exactly alike. They don't love each other because all of their special needs are being met, that things are exactly the way they want them to be. There's some uncomfortableness with people who are different. God loves everybody. And his son died for the world, not just people like me. So when the world sees us loving each other, differences included, they're going to want to know what makes us different. Why are we like that? Our focus in loving other outsiders, loving people outside of the church, is, needs to be on seeing lost people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Come to know that they need to repent of their sins. They need forgiveness. And they'll have the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Showing people God's love, wanting what's best for them, is the best way we can love outsiders. So yes, helping someone with a flat tire is going to help them immediately and realize you're a caring person. 
but building a relationship is what will, what will help them see that you care more about their tire, you care about their soul. Wanting salvation, which is every person's greatest need. Loving them and showing them we care is a great way to start that gospel conversation and continuing it. So we can use means like reaching out to the community, having special days, doing trunk or treat, or fixing bicycles or other things where we just show love and there's no strings attached. But our real goal is for them to know God, to know Jesus as Savior, to know that relationship that's missing in their lives and to see that because of the love we have for them. In my personal Bible reading uh, in Mark chapter 6 this week, I saw a great connection. Jesus told the disciples to find a quiet place where they could find some much-needed rest. He had just sent them out in twos. He had sent them out as apostles and said, go, share the gospel, minister to people. And they came back and they were so excited and they told him all the great things that they had been able to accomplish. But they were worn out. And Jesus said, go find a quiet place and just recuperate. Sometimes we need rest from ministry. We need rest from caring for and serving other people. Jesus knew that. So they found a quiet place to moor their boat. Quiet spot on the lake. And people saw the boat. And I don't know if it says Jesus loves us on the back, if it had a bumper sticker, but it says people recognized them. They saw the boat and they flocked to it. And all of a sudden, there's a crowd again. And listen to what Jesus, the way Jesus responded to that crowd. We're in Mark chapter 6. When he went ashore, he saw the great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. If you've learned anything about sheep over the years, uh, maybe you've had them or you've visited them, they don't do well on their own. They follow the sheep right in front of them or to the side of them, and they'll follow them into trouble. They'll follow them anywhere they go unless they have a shepherd caring for them, watching over them, giving them a new safe place to eat, a good place to get water. And Jesus looked out at this crowd and saw their need. So did he feed them? Did he heal them? Did he take care of all of their immediate problems? It says he began to teach them many things. Even though he was tired from ministry, Jesus loved people and he still wanted to help them. He began to teach them many things. His first response was not to heal all of their illnesses. Could he do that? Yeah, we've seen him do that. Was it to cast out evil spirits? We've seen him do that. It wasn't that either. He knew they needed a shepherd. They needed a relationship with God who would love them like no other love they had ever experienced. They needed to repent of their sins. They needed to be saved. So Jesus taught them. Later in this passage, he fed them too. He saw their need for food because it was getting late in the day, and he took care of that need as well. But his initial response was, they need 
to hear the good news. They need the gospel. They need to find out how to become part of the kingdom of God. So when we want to show love for people, that needs to be our priority too, for people to hear the good news. We can help with physical needs as we're able. We might be able to help with some financial needs or helping someone get settled into a new home or different things like that. But spiritual needs need to come first. Loving outsiders is showing them God's love, which looks like Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins and for mine. Are you an insider or are you an outsider? You don't have to answer that out loud. This is not talking about being a member of the church or not being a member of the church. This is talking about accepting God's gift of salvation. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you become an insider? It starts by admitting your sin, recognizing that you can't do anything to take care of it on your own. Almost all of the religions in the world tell people, if you just do enough good things, God will forgive your sins. If you donate enough to the church, if you help enough people around you, if you do, 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 God will look at that balance and say, yeah, you're a little bit better than you are bad. You're okay, come on in. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is holy, and he says, I can't have any sin in my presence. That includes heaven. No sinner can enter heaven. So when we recognize that we are indeed sinners, we've fallen short of God's glory, we can't obey the Ten Commandments or any of the things in Scripture to the point where we are sinless, we recognize that only Jesus could take care of our sins. Only the Son of God dying on the cross could offer you His righteousness, not your own. The Old Testament says all of our good works, and if you piled them all up, if you wrote them on a piece of paper and made a big pile from the time you were two years old until the time you die, and you had this big pile, they're nothing compared to Christ's righteousness. That's the only thing that can give us entrance into heaven, coming in because Jesus saved us, wearing his robe of righteousness over our sinful lives. So we need to first recognize that we are, in fact, sinners before a holy God. And loving other people is letting them know that too. Not telling them they're pretty good people and they're okay and, yeah, God's going to probably let you in. That's not loving. That's lying. You see the difference? Telling someone what they want to hear is usually lying. And God says, I love you too much for that. I love you to the point where my son died for you. That's the good news. That's how we love people. So if you're an outsider and you've never confessed your sin, you've never asked Jesus to save you, to cleanse you from your unrighteousness, then you're still separated from God. And you could come inside the church and you could enjoy coffee with us, you can sing with us, but you're still an outsider until you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. And the good news of Scripture says once we've done that, 
we are forever insiders. Nothing can separate us from God's love, not even our own stupidity. God will continue to love us and continue to forgive us for all of eternity. Salvation restores the broken relationship between you and God. And the church is here to proclaim the gospel, to see new believers baptized and taught how to live as followers of Jesus Christ. That's what makes you an insider. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never taken that step of faith, then I would encourage you to do that today. Don't go another day without taking care of your biggest problem. Knowing Christ as Savior will offer you the salvation that nothing else can. So some takeaway questions. Have you trusted Jesus? That's the first big one. I hope you can all check that box and say, yes, I have, and know that I'm loved forever. Have you been baptized and joined the church? If you're an insider, are you following what his word says to do? To become part of a local body who knows that it's loved by Christ and then loves each other that way and reaches our community with the gospel. Being baptized and joining the church would be a next step. Are you regularly learning Jesus' teaching and obeying his commands? That's the, the next command in the Great Commission. Teaching people what Christ said and how to obey it. Not only do you get that here at church, but you need to be listening and reading on your own. What is God calling me to do today, this week? What's my personal mission to the people around me? Who can I share the gospel with? Who can I share God's love with? Are you building relationships of depth and endurance within the church as you learn to love the people who are different around you? Is it just the good morning? And yeah, it snowed again. We could say that just about any day and have a really short conversation, but God calls us to a deeper relationship than that. He calls us to a place where we can encourage other people and we can welcome correction from them and say, if you see me stepping out of line, if you see me acting, talking, thinking in a way that's not Christ-like, please tell me. I need that encouragement. I need that correction. So as you're building those relationships within the church, are you building them outside of the church? Are you thinking about your neighborhood as your own little mission field? The lady across the street who sometimes needs help with her driveway. The kids down the block who cut through your yard. Are you loving them? The people who park right in front of your house and take your good spot every time? Are you loving them? Are you looking for ways to love them? Besides being patient with them, are you looking for ways to love them to the point where you could have a relationship and get to the place where you could share the gospel with them? Are you looking for ways to show that love that compassion that Christ shows you with coworkers, with your neighbors, other people. It's helpful to have a short list of people that you're praying for, people that you want to share the gospel with, people that you just want to get to know better and, and show God's love to. 
And if you pray for those opportunities, I believe God's going to give them to you. The last thing is a reminder about the intro class. And it is, in fact, today. So if you'd like to learn more about our church and what it's like to be an insider here, even if you didn't sign up, we've got plenty of food. We'd love to have you join us. Um, right after the service, we'll go downstairs and have coffee. And if your uh, kids are here for Sunday school, they will get snacks in their classrooms as well. But after that time of coffee, we will meet in the cafeteria, which is right below me. Yeah, so um, you could walk down this very door and you won't get lost. Or you could go through the hallway and down the ramp and down the other ramp and through a hallway and follow somebody. Look for that name badge. Uh, but we'd love to have you stay for that intro class to just learn more. You don't have to commit to anything. We're not going to ask you to sign up to be a member or anything. We're just going to lay it all out and say, this is who we are, and would you like to be part of this church family? So stay and join us for that. I'm so excited to have Dr. Mark Guy close us today with a song instead of me singing just slightly outside my range. But as Mark comes, we're going to close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your amazing love for us. Thank you for Christ's clear commandment to his followers, that our goal in life, our mission, is to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with the whole world, and then to see people who are outside of your love, who are outside of your church, become insiders who learn how to follow you, who learn how to love each other and love others the way you love us. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity to be part of a local church and part of that mission. I pray, Lord, your blessing on us as we go throughout this upcoming week, that we would be looking for ways to love those around us, not only our church family and our immediate family, but our neighbors, our co-workers, just to be able to let people know the work that you've done in us and the relationship that we have with you. Let us do that in love. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above all names, I pray. Amen.